Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 430, and today we'll be talking about yesterday's lie from the Owl House. I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. Did someone order feels? I feel like we got a delivery of feels in this episode. This was very, just just a heart-wrenching episode, but do we want to get right to like the meaty portion of it, or do we want to start from like the beginning? Here, let me let me give just a very high level summary of the episode first. It it doesn't start off chronologically, but it teases us with who we will later find out is V's new life is Luz until Luz surprises her in the mirror. After the theme song, we find out that Luz has finished her door, but it turns out it can only send her to the human realm in the form of a reflection. It seems she didn't do a great job building it. V runs away from her when she confronts her, but uh, only to be trapped in the... Snare. What? I guess it's just called the shack? Yeah, so that that secret shack where the portal was appearing in Ida's suitcase uh, has a camera and a snare in it to catch suspicious somethings. So Luz has her go into the city in search of magic relics left behind by Ida only to uh, find out Hexus Hold'em cards were left behind. She goes to buy some, but it turns out the proprietor of the Historical Society is an absolute jerkwad and traps her in a cage. Luz recruits her mother to go rescue V. Camilla eventually realizes that no, this is not a LARP, and she smacks the crap out of him with a flip-flop that she had kept (laughs) in her purse. I love it. La chancla. Yeah, this was... Just such a phenomenal episode. It gave us just something of everything, right? Lots of lore, lots of character, lots of feels. And just like so many of the little details here have just been phenomenal. In just, you know, one episode, we got so much characterization of V and like they were just telling so uh, much with so little. Like Luce having very real, like implying that she has experience with like conspiracy theorists and internet idiots just says volumes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the 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 fact the verified account aged well, didn't it? <laughs> Him saying he's going to get verified on the internet. Yeah. If only he had waited a little longer, it would have been just eight dollars a month. <laughs> exactly. Um. Oh God, he's probably like moderator on the Elon Musk subreddit. Yeah, most likely. He seems like the guy. I will notice, fun detail I did not see. You know how V was sniffing around for magic? When she went into that back room, I did not notice, but he had Hexus Hold'em cards being set so a fan was wafting the scent Uh. out farther. (laughs) No, I did not catch that. That's insane. Oh, man. It's just, it's this, this accurate portrayal of some internet idiot that is both incredibly suspicious and also incredibly naive at the same time who's just like complete faith in the u.s government while not faith in literally anything else in in just a hilarious way well i mean to be fair the u.s government is going to protect his teeth from those demonic martian time machines i that's a mission i can get behind (laughs) what will they guarantee dental I mean, yeah, I don't know. We'd, I don't know if I trust that. <laughs> we didn't say anything about the Venusian time machines, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Oh man, I, I also liked. It's a really common trope sometimes where, uh, like, a secret magic world influenced real world folklore. 
like loads of fantasy stuff where it's like the fantasy world existed alongside the regular people oh, yeah. world. And they're like, oh, actually, Bigfoot is, was real and was a thing from this magic thing that we made up. But I do appreciate that they kind of changed it where the real life folklore is way off from the actual like magic that influenced it. Just because like witches in our world don't look anything like that. It made me think of Steven Universe, because you know how in Steven Universe, everyone's like, oh man, why is all, there all this alien stuff happening and the government is nowhere to be found? You know, let's ignore the fact that the aliens were here long before anyone even thought, hey, let's have a government. So that's probably the reason the government doesn't care. What I find really interesting is in Gravesealed, you have talking rats that apparently everyone knows about. And the yes. local Starbucks is just like, oh, they're such a nuisance. No one's going to do anything about them. No one wants to study them. They're just there. And no one cares enough to make them go away. I mean, if <laughs> after having lived in a city, a really big major city for a long time, like you could tell me that the radiation was making the city rats act and speak out loud, I wouldn't be that surprised. <laughs> you wouldn't? No! The rats will demand tribute if you walk into their alley. My life would be fundamentally altered. <laughs> right in the hills was the was the Rockadine disaster. The rocket it was like the third biggest nuclear disaster in the world. It was literally right in Los Angeles. Um, but but like growing extra eyes or ears is one thing. Having a second sentient, thoughtful species alive <laughs> is a fundamental change in the in the you know fabric of our world. <laughs> I wouldn't say the rats in Los Angeles are that bad. It's probably more the seagulls. <laughs> oh, God. If they could talk. <laughs> yeah, I think like a seagull, it would track My? that a seagull My? could speak. And it would say prophecies to me. <laughs> so disturbing. But like horrible, cryptic, dark ones. That sounds like a cult you should start. I don't know if you've met Pacific seagulls. They're the size of like cats. They're absolutely huge creatures. They do sound like harbingers of doom. Yes, they're awful. <laughs> seagulls steal your baby. <laughs> the seagulls ate my baby. I feel like the depiction of, you know, bread worker or bakery worker, you know, it's fine. They don't care that much. Or if they were going to tell somebody about the rats, no one's going to believe them anyway. You know, that's a somewhat realistic portrayal, but. Camilla learning about the demon realm and reacting to everything, that's a pretty decent portrayal, right? Like, she yeah. hangs on to reality for a long time before, you know, she has the irrefutable fact that uh, uh, there is this slimy, strange basilisk in front of her. Yeah. And then she has to accept and change the truth she's believing, even though it's still difficult. Yes. I totally bought her entire process through that story like it just felt incredibly realistic for her like both for her character and kind of like what i feel like kind of i would be following this if somebody was saying that to me and also like she is a veterinarian so mm -hmm. if she sees a creature and not a costume like she could very quickly see oh it's you can't just fake a nictating membrane like that that's insane <laughs> that is what sells it and the fact that Camilla saw all those, like, what are 
traditionally considered very gross features in an animal, like something being scaly and slimy and having sideways eyelids. And she sees it and it has no disgust reaction at all and is immediately like, oh, I have been taking care of this refugee for all those months and that she didn't feel tricked. I think Luce was mm-hmm. also very, um, like, kind in portraying V's struggle. And I think, like, she got it from Camilla because, like, you can tell that Camilla also took to it very quickly. Like, Luce was like, oh, evil, evil doppelganger taking over my life. And, but then she, like, very quickly, like, abandoned that idea. Oh, good doppelganger recovering my life. Yeah, like, maybe, maybe Luce is the evil one. Let's be real here. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it was, it was <laughs> At least, at least the extremely mischievous one. Luce should have defended herself better, though, in the historical society. Like, V's talking about, oh, you know, I kind of resent you for running away from Camilla, but I'm glad you did. So, you know, my feelings are complicated. And, you know, Luz at no point said, y- you know, I always intended to come right back, right? And then, you know, we got caught up in the whole fate of my friends, and then the portal blew up. Yeah, I think Luz didn't defend herself because she felt so guilty about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does tend to beat herself up for things. Yeah, like, it it definitely tracks that she feels like she's responsible for being trapped there, because she was the one who blew up the portal, like, it was her decision to do that, interestingly. That one she thought she was defending the entire planet, so. Yeah, and I mean, like, who knows what Philip would have done if he just suddenly had free and easy access to the human realm months before he'd be able to do his big major plan. I think Kikimura would have been replaced by Jacob. Right? <laughs> no, Jacob's too stupid. I don't know. Bellis is a dictator. They usually like him dumb. Kikimura's too smart for her own good. The only the only reason he kept her around was she was too blindly loyal to realize that he would betray her. Yeah, that is true. Like, both Kikimura and Lilith were not very good at their jobs. <laughs> And, like, so overwhelmed with, like, pride and arrogance that it frequently got in the way of then being able to pull anything off. And arrogance is something Jacob has in spades. He's perfect for the job. Yeah, maybe he'd have Jacob be, like, his tech guy. (laughs) He'll be his fashion consultant. Did you see that armor? That was pretty good armor. He absolutely bought that off Etsy, custom-made, with, like, his life savings. Yeah, so between Steven Universe and Owl House, like, this portrayal of, you know, deeply obsessed nerd who buys full armor sets. Ronaldo only had the breastplate. Like, I know these people exist, but (laughs) are, are they that big of a majority of all, like, fandoms of people that exist? I just feel like, who hurt these animators? Who hurt these story writers? You know what I mean? He wasn't (laughs) being criticized for being a big nerd, because Luce would also be a big nerd. Like, that wasn't the the factor that made one the good or the bad guy. No, no, right, it's not the nerdiness, it's the... The The complete arrogance. Like, the self-ego. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which somehow armor is tied up with. Like, somehow these guys always end up buying, like, they think they're this, you know, badass hero. It's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, no, like, the amount amount of adult men who have told me that they could take on a tiger. (laughs) 
why? Who are Adult these tigers. Why are, why are the, they like, I this? cannot emphasize to you enough. These are just regular guys in their, like, early 20s. Sometimes even older, uh, which is even more embarrassing. Like, why? They, like, they are not particularly fit, right? Like, they might just kind of be skinny because their metabolisms haven't caught up with them yet. But they are, like not training in eight different types of martial arts. They don't know how to use defensive tools. They like they got no skills in any way whatsoever in actually dealing with real life situations with a tiger and the real life situation is to get up a tree or something. It, it, a tiger will <laughs> kill you. Why are we comparing these uh, these guys against a tiger? The tiger is unarmed, but we we, we saw that when Jacob had a knife he still got trounced by Camilla wielding La Chancla. No, yeah, literally. <laughs> he he just, he doesn't know anything. So she's who we need to be comparing them against. Yeah, Camilla is scrappy when she needs to. I don't like, I know a lot of veterinarians personally. And <laughs> like, you don't know when you're suddenly going to need to square up with an animal that is suddenly very, very big and very, very freaked out. Because you can't like, communicate in English to an animal that you pinning them down is helping them. And so <laughs> to be a veterinarian requires infinite wells of patience and compassion because that animal isn't doing it to spite you, right? It's doing it because it's an animal and it's freaked out. And so you can't be angry at them because then you would resent them and you wouldn't want to continue your job anymore. Yeah. Like, vets do not make, like, any money at all. <laughs> and so it's, a, it's a, a career of passion, and it tracks very, very well with Camilla's character. Like, I feel like somebody in the writer's room also knows what it's like to be a vet. Choo-choo. Woo-woo! Oh, it's nice. been insane for the trains today. Like, my whole desk is shaking. Insane in the train brain. I thought that industry was falling apart. Oh, well. <laughs> well, not the ones right where I live. So, I a question. How on earth did Masha get such an accurate reading on V? Do, do you think it was the... Do you think the Hexus Hold'em cards repurposed their magic once they realized they were being used to do tarot now? But then she would have smelled it. Hmm, you're right. She did say they were non-magical. Well, they had the residue, but not much. What was what was the their name again? Oh no, it was Luz who noticed them. V didn't sniff them out. You're right. It was Azula. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I mean the voice actor is the same as Azula. Great <laughs> Delisle. Yeah. No, yeah, but no. What's the name of that that character with the cards that we see then later works at the museum? Masha. Masha. I kept wanting to say Basha. Why did they make them so similar? <laughs> in the same show. So we can make fan art of Basha dressed up in the devil outfit and Masha dressed up in the angel outfit. Yeah, it's funny because <laughs> Masha dresses like, you know, super goth and punk and demon-y, <laughs> but is actually the saint. Yeah, I I just, in, in just that tiny little exchange, like, I got so many like, realizations of what it would actually be like to send all the weird kids in school to normal people camp, and how that would be the absolute worst idea ever if your goal was to make them normal. It's like sending small-time criminals to prison. You know, to level them up a bit. 
<laughs> no, yeah, like weird kids stick to each other like glue. I have not had stronger friendships than like the other kids that role played warriors in recess in elementary school. Those are warrior bonds for life. <laughs> and you only make each other weirder. And we are all gay or queer. <laughs> <laughs> Luz probably would have made friends with th those three just as well as V did, so... I mean, we, we could do an entire AU where Luz never goes to the demon realm, and it's V who saves the Boiling Isles, and Luz, you know, has her best friends on the uh, from Weird Camp, or Normal Camp, I'm sorry. Well, she probably does learn better ways to be weird there than she learns to be normal. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think Luz going to Normal Camp, like, it wasn't, it wasn't her journey. I I just I can't like describe like how right it it wasn't like the thing that she needed because she would have like found that camaraderie in other weird kids and it would have like done exactly what yeah. Camilla was afraid of and it would have pushed her away. Hmm. I don't know. I think it could have worked out. Camilla and Luz love each other, so I don't I don't think it would have uh, ended up too bad. I think Luz would have made some real friends and they would have got through it and everything would have been fine. Yeah. Maybe she would have stopped bringing snakes to school. We can only hope. Wow. <laughs> um, I wanted her to bring snakes to my school. Ooh, Luz could open up a snake handling business. Forget the password protected pet shop. I mean, there are like people who've made careers out of like yep. hobby reptile keeping. She'd have a YouTube channel. Yeah. Maybe she would have been that universe's snake discovery <laughs> with their own facility. <laughs> I, there's some major things to talk about as far as more of the conversation that happens between Luz and her mom, but, uh, and also analyzing a little bit of V's backstory that, and also the introduction of a little more story right into Gravesfield. But can I just mention how cute it was that the moment that Luz realized that she could, uh, go into reflections, including in the demon realm, she was like, maybe I should. You know, take a peek on what Amity's up to. <laughs> and then, you know, she just has to quickly dismiss it and, and then put the box away. That's that's very cute. All business, Luz. All business. Yeah. She was able to keep her head on her shoulders for a moment. <laughs> but it was sweet. But, you know, I, I, I do have my, my one complaint about the episode is how the only reason Luz even finds... Uh, you know, was able to, I guess she would have eventually tracked V down, but the fact that the specific way she did was she's, okay, just count to five, and it's like, oh, five, I know that name. And it's like, couldn't you have got her to V some other way, some way that wasn't a pure coincidence? <laughs> that I didn't even note that coincidence. That is deep coincidence. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was... Because <laughs> it very clearly did react. As soon as she said five, it's like, off like a shot. Literary. So yeah, the usage the usage of uh, basilisks, right, by Bellos is fascinating. Experimenting with magic draining. Yeah, that's like I now I feel like I have to go back and watch the basilisk episode because I was like in the very beginning of the first season. Yeah. It's interesting because V says that they were like brought back, not even from the brink of extinction. But, like, from full extinction. Huh. Like, what does that even mean? Magic, David. It means magic. 
Yeah, he like recreated a species that had gone away and then forced it into servitude. Maybe they're kind of like Grimwalkers. Right. Hmm, possibly. He is teamed up with the Collector, also known as, uh, we'll find out later. I actually don't want to say what his name is, because David will enjoy learning what his other name is. Mm. But uh, suffice to say that the Collector may have played a part in the extinction of the Basilisks, so uh, maybe he played a part in bringing them back. Is that implied anywhere? Uh, It's a possibility. (laughs) I suppose. Yeah, I think it's just like if Bellus has the ability to create Grimwalkers specifically from his human brother, I think the idea of creating like clones of things that are dead, not that outlandish, because I presume he didn't start making clones of his brother until after his brother was dead. Hmm. You would think. Yeah, so so like he would have had to dig him up. Or found some way to access his soul magic-wise or something. I mean, they are called Grimwalkers. It's not really a name that makes you think they have the best reputation, is it? <laughs> like, not sourced from alive people. Alive people are less grim. That's true. Yeah, you're... <laughs> it's posthumously. Yeah, I don't know if he needs, like whatever magic version of DNA is or whatever, but that type of technology is available to him. Um, I wonder if Hunter knew about the cloning facilities. He must have. You would think that he would be one of the people who Bellos would call in to track down some escaped basilisks. Yeah. If, uh, if V had escaped at the time of the first episode, that would be plenty of time for the Golden Guard to be starting to spread his wings. Oh, (laughs) yeah, and speaking of that escape, so did she just slip through that door while no one was noticing? Like, how long is the door open whenever someone travels through it? Because V traveled through at the same time that the door opened for the last time, right? Because she showed up right as Luz had disappeared. So how didn't we see the door open for the last time? Like, V didn't go through it. How the heck did she get through? Am I forgetting something? I never went through and watched the sequence to try to figure out the timing. I think Ida left it open for a bit. Like, she just had it open behind her. Ida shut it before she started selling things with Luz. Maybe she reopened it after she made it clear to Luz she was not going to eat her? Oh, right, it happened early. It happened early. Maybe it was like she, she closed the door but left the gate open. You know, like it's still that, like you could just walk up and turn the knob again. Like she didn't collapse it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that timeline makes sense because it's at the start of when Luce appears. So shortly after, like V has been, or no, it's literally the moment because Camilla's saying, all right, let's go drive off to camp. So it's like moments after. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she arrives for the first time, which makes sense because. She wandered into the demon realm because the door was just open. Okay. And V had just been stalking. Yeah, that's fascinating. That is a nice little coincidence that they traded places. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. Trading faces? I can't stop picturing in my head what the drive would have been like as V. (laughs) V's trying to absorb information, quickly take on a persona. 
Yeah, she's like, okay, 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 human realm, human realm. Um, everything is green. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, like. Oh, and now man. she's being asked to pick out music. <laughs> and the fact that she couldn't have gone to a better camp. Seriously, you l- took a literal creature from a different dimension, <laughs> and you're like, okay, you need to get up to speed on what it's like to blend in here as fast as possible. Today we learned what mortgages are. <laughs> yeah, so literally, like, completely caught up, like, all the pop culture references, all the functionings of everything, all of the, like, etiquette, and, like, literally how to blend in and act human as much as possible. And they expect you to be a complete and total weirdo when you show up, so she's <laughs> yeah, not gonna yeah. stick out like a sore thumb. Imagine if Luce was gonna go to, like, band camp. That would've, she would've come back very different. <laughs> yeah yeah this person has no idea how to play an instrument <laughs> <laughs> or she thinks that like all teenagers are taken to camp as like an in- initiation into the adult musical world yeah and i think like it also was a great cover for coming back different for camilla because camilla yeah. like must have been like oh camp really changed you Oh, yeah, she ha- she she did have that like look of regret, right? As she was throwing away everything. Yeah, and but the fact that V is so so grateful kind of throws her off because if V was like miserable or acting miserable, Camilla would have been like, "Oh, you know, like I feel bad," but V was like so happy and grateful about it that it didn't like register to Camilla as a bad thing right away. Yeah, she still looked like she regretted it when, you know, when Luz is throwing out all of her old, you know, weird stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, she didn't want Luz to be normal because she saw it as, like, superior. She was just, like, worried about her performance in school. Yeah, and just, like, having friendships. (laughs) Yeah, and she probably would have made friends in camp, one way or another. Uh, It's a bittersweet way she felt, which, you know, recurred again in the final scene. Of this episode, which was... In the headlights. Oh, man. I mean, first of all, there was, like, a really strange... There was a strange era of Disney Channel where um, there was just all those weird original movies. And one of them was about, like, a, a, you know, virtual girl who, like, somehow takes over somebody's body for some amount of time. And anyway, the movie ends, spoiler alert, with the virtual person existing in the rain for a short moment. So it shouldn't have reminded me of that. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. And so that really has no relevance on, um, you know, what plays out. But uh, just playing a light note here before we have to talk about how sad it is that Camilla has uh, such feelings and asks for such promises from Luz. But uh, yeah, I don't remember the name of the movie. <laughs> but there was, it, it ends pretty cool that like virtual person gets to feel the rain and touch the rain and then they uh, and then they die or something. I don't know. It was a weird era. <laughs> no, I that that end to the episode was just so heartbreaking. Like Camilla just, you know, losing her cool cuz that was like almost the most unbelievable portion so far was that she was taking it so well, but then she has like right. you know the, her moment of of weakness. Like actually I'm not. Sense. <laughs> yeah, but she was she was putting on a brave face which like you know, really commend her for. It was just like, I don't know, like you get parents in cartoons are usually like really lousy. 
Lousy or way too on top of it. Yeah, exactly. Have fun saving the world, honey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I really like this humanization of Camilla. But she learns that Luz kind of made the decision to stay there. And Luz doesn't get to clarify, like, when she made that decision. Of course, we yeah, know that exactly. there's, been, there's been a few times she's decided to stay, right? Like, early on when they still had a door, she could have walked back at any time and she didn't. That's probably the most heartbreaking context that Camilla could have learned about. But of course, as uh, the Bullion Isles became a place that Luz felt she could, you know, make a difference and, you know, maybe fight back against some evil, then maybe it's a little more forgivable from her mom's perspective. But uh, they don't get any time to talk about that <laughs> because Luz has to be pulled away. And not only is it brutal that Camilla learns, but her desperation to hold on to her daughter saying like, you're going to stay here right? <laughs> when you make it back, you're going to leave behind the demon realm, right? That Oof. puts a lot of angst on Luz's shoulders. Yeah, what a quick, uncertain lie she has to tell. Yeah, I think just in that very quick spot, like, she got a really tough explanation of what the demon realm was. Like, it, it, I don't think at that moment she was seeing it in such a positive light, like just, you know, this horrible, <laughs> horrible place. Uh, because, I mean, V tried to run away from there, so, it, like, not realizing that it was extra horrible for V, but everybody else wasn't having it, like, that terrible. Yeah. And Luz was not only yet. planning to ditch summer camp, not her whole life. <laughs> right. <laughs> Luz needs to defend herself better, I'm telling you. Yeah, I mean, she was getting pulled away, so they didn't exactly have <laughs> that time. I think right. over the summer it was explained better. All she had to do was say, I always wanted to come back, and I promise you I'll find a way. That's all she has to say. But Luz has never been good at finding the words, I guess. Yeah. I think, like, over the, the summer of that that episode of the season three, episode one, that special, I think Camilla, like, completely let go. Like, she didn't consider it anything at all. Like, to her, she she didn't, she would never hold loose to it, and I think she, like, assumed yeah. that now that the situation was different, Luce would understand that the conditions have changed. Mm -hmm. But Luce feels bound to that promise. And I think her mom, like, didn't communicate that, the, that, that she does not hold her to that promise. And thank goodness she didn't. Like, of course they didn't communicate that at the time. Like, a lot of stuff was going on. And because <laughs> of that lack of communication, they made different assumptions that caused conflict, even though they were both trying to be mature or whatever team players yeah it's so sweet i just i really love the show as do we all and that's why it couldn't have been longer we can't have nice things yeah god Ugh. disney <laughs> <laughs> i want you to picture me shaking my fist at the sky i saw it <laughs> thanks in my head you're, you're, you're doing a dan versus yell right um or a Dinkleberg. Dinkleberg. <laughs> David, you understand me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, that's it for us on Yesterday's Lie. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. Leave us a comment or a review. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.